0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Right Moves Podcast, where we talk about how to develop happy, healthy, resilient children into happy, healthy, resilient adults. I'm your host, Dr. Debbie Ray. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Right Moves Podcast. I have Jennifer Jolly with me today to discuss her journey as a parent and realizing her knowledge as a counselor was not enough to solve emotional challenges with her children. She began searching another way to bring the family together, and TBRI, which stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention, was the answer. Integrating this intervention into the family made her a better parent and her children more responsive to challenges through the journey. Jennifer has so much knowledge to impart about the journey as a parent. I am so excited to have her on this podcast with me today to share her thoughts and experiences around parenting and TBRI. Jennifer Jolly is a pastor's wife and mom of two biological sons, 22 and 20, and one adoptive son, 18. Her varsity sports are grocery shopping and sitting in bleachers, which is done in all seasons in stadiums and gyms around the Northwest Georgia area. She has a master's in marriage and family counseling and a master's in Christian education from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. In 2017, she sought TBRI out of desperation in their adoptive parenting journey. She became a Making Sense of Your Worth and Parenting for Positive Self-Worth facilitator in October of 2022. She worked for six years as a secondary school guidance counselor, before shifting gears to work on implementing TBRI in the YMCA after-school program housed in Restoration Rome. She is currently in her third year as the TBRI Coordinator for Rome City Schools. She loves her role in scaffolding change and implementing TBRI at the micro and the macro level in each school and the school system as a whole. Hi, Jennifer. It's so good to have you on the Right Moves podcast today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure and a joy. Absolutely. Well, you know, I like to start my podcast each time with asking if my guests can say at least one thing that is not on the bio that kind of gives us a real view of who you are. So, can you can you give me a glimpse into who you are that's not in the bio? Yes.
1: I um, just a little bit about me. I am a pastor's wife. And I also, I think this is in the bio, but I have three young adult sons who are now 22, 20 and 18. And those ages are really weird to hear myself relating to other people that my children are that old. Um, And so I think I'm in that age and stage of parenting where we're not exactly empty nesters, but we're feeling the nest emptying. Um, My husband and I were at a at a workshop. Where we were asked to describe ourselves using a watercraft. And he's on one side of the room, I'm on the other side of the room. And unbeknownst to both of us, we both chose an aircraft carrier to describe where we are in life <laughs> because we are in this place where we feel like we're just supporting flight patterns. You know, they come in <laughs> for a little bit of a landing and then they go off again. And we're just trying to to air traffic control and keep up and make sure everybody's fueled and has what they need for next stages and ages. And so we're kind of in that place and in that place where we're kind of looking at each other going, we don't have any hobbies he said to me one day, we need a hobby. And I said, we have one. It's sitting in bleachers. We sit in bleachers all across Northwest Georgia, whether it's in the stadiums or gyms, watching all these sports and activities of the children. But that is waning in our life. And so we're looking, we're hobby shopping
0: at this point. I like that. I, I like, well, first of all, I think it's incredible that y'all came up with the same craft. Wasn't it? Oh my gosh! y'all. You know, part of me thinks y'all had to have said something about that, but no, you both just felt like you were (laughs) air traffic controllers. Yes. Oh my gosh!
1: isn't reality for us right now. Mm -hmm.
0: But you know what? I totally, I totally get it, and I agree. Y'all are gonna need some hobbies because (laughs) you've been consumed with kids, right? And as they go off into their adventures they're not going to be around all the time and that's going to be a whole different ball game.
1: It is. Well, good for
0: y'all. I mean, at least you're talking about it. You're discussing it, but you know, I'm sure that the empty nester thing, it's it's still okay as one leaves and the next one leaves, but the 18 year old now, the 18 year old is escaping into a different place too. Wow. And they're all Mm. boys. Did you say that?
1: Yes, ma'am. They are all boys. So
0: all boys, you know, you, you don't know if they're going to come back more often right. or less often, right?
1: Right. It's so, <laughs> it so
0: true. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, let's delve into what we're doing today. Um, sure. You know, when I think it's kind of cool to, I don't always do this, but I, th- I think this one's kind of fun. So with Link... Let's Inspire Innovation in Kids, which is what I'm the director, creator, and director of. You know, I'm on the TCU campus, and I've been doing this uh, role for probably 11 or 12 years. Well, unbeknownst to me, back when I started, was Dr. Karen Purvis Mm -hmm. on the TCU campus in the Child Development Center area, uh, working on Trust-Based Relational Intervention, TBRI what are the odds kind of like you and your husband saying at the same time we're you know we're, we're looking at flight patterns all the time what are the odds that two really strong programs are coming out of the same university working on child health adult health how we work with the combination of children and adults in trauma abuse, neglect, types of ways with TBRI, and link, which is the piece that TBRI talks about all the time, but is, in my world, the main focus, right? We got to get outside, we got to play, we got to be in nature, we've we've got to engage in things that are outside of ourselves to, to bring that healthy peace as well, which is what TBRI talks about also. But what are the odds, right? So I reached out to my TBRI buddies over there and I I was trained with TBRI as well. But I reached out and I said, who can I talk to that is really doing some great things with TBRI? And Jennifer's name came up, right? (laughs) So I'm so excited to have you on today. You and I have done some debriefing already just to kind of get to know each other better. And I just, I love your stories, I, I love your journey. So I wanted to, to do that today. I, I want to talk about the journey that you've had. You know, how did TBRI come into your life? Why did you think TBRI was so important to you? And how has it kind of matured um, just in that journey that you've taken? So I'm going to turn the floor over to you and let you visit a little bit about that. Yes, ma'am.
1: I um, just I echo that sentiment. What are the odds? And and just. The the deeper I go into TBR work, the more I sit and marvel looking back at Dr. Purvis and Dr. Cross and how ahead of their time that they were. Um, As things in neuroscience and relational neuroscience were emerging, they were already on it. And and now that things are in the heyday, right, trauma-informed work has kind of hit its moment. Um, And you hear a lot of things in a lot of spaces. And what's just so fascinating to me, it's not surprising, but it's just fascinating that all the things that are out there still harken back and echo um, the things and the components and the aspects that that they were seeing and recognizing and observing um, and working with way back when. So it's just fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that back in the day and in, in the late 1990s and early 2000s, I was actually in Fort Worth doing graduate school at Southwestern, Um, Did not know adoption was going to be part of our story at that time. Did not know about TCU. I knew about TCU, but I did not know about TBRI. And man, I look back and wish that I had known about it and would have been able to draw from that deep well even then. Um, But it just really is fascinating to me, Um, and I just I just see it as um, confirmation that we're all on the right path. That these dots that we're all connecting using TBRI, with emphases on play and movement, that we're all um, we're all hitting the things that we need to address. Um, And it's just as is ever confirming to me. The more I read, the more I see. Um, so I'm super super thankful for TBRI like most people in the TBRI world, I I lament the years that I didn't have it. So we um, I've mentioned we have three sons, 22, 20 and 18. Um, we have two biologicals so the two older boys are are our biological sons. Um, our adopted son is the 18 year old. He came into our home when he was two weeks past his second birthday, and we um, we did the typical thing. We adopted um, with good intentions in our heart and thinking we had the tools that we needed. I especially thought I had the tools that we needed because my graduate work was in marriage and family counseling and Christian education. I had a bachelor's in social work. Um, I had an awareness of attachment, all of those things from my studies. I was seeking attachment parenting. I thought we were going to be okay and we were set. Um, I thought, sure, it's going to come with its challenges, but how 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 very different could it actually be than just raising the other two children? And and we learned through time very quickly that it was extremely different. Um, We've went ten years raising. All of our boys, without the knowledge of TBRI. And I, I got to a place with my husband where I was joking but not joking, you know, kidding, not kidding, where I said, I'm about to tap out of this because I have tools. I have a little bit more tools than some people. I've used them as creatively as I know how to use them upside down, backwards on roller skates with sparklers in my hand, probably. And nothing I'm finding is working. And so what drove us to TBRI was 100% pure and simple desperation. (laughs) And so I say that to people sometimes, like, it is okay if desperation brings you to this um, because it's real. Um, And I think that puts you in a place of readiness to receive a different mindset because you know something's got to give and so i we just got to that place out of desperation so we're in rome georgia in the top northwest corner of georgia so if our friends are looking at the map of georgia and they kind of know where atlanta is in the upper middle part central part of this of the state we're in the top northwest corner just a little bit north of atlanta um so close enough to enjoy atlanta but far enough away to not have to deal with it um but we're in rome and in Rome, we have um, an entity called Restoration Rome, which is a hub for foster and adoptive services and and biological family services um, here in Rome. And they have been hosting the Hope for the Journey simulcast for many, many years now. And I had known of it for a few years prior to my actually jumping in and attending it. And oh, how I wish I had jumped in earlier, but I didn't. You know, I just let the stuff of life, um, crowd in and provide reasons why I couldn't attend. My husband actually went first. Um, he did the thing, we did the thing where he went and attended and I stayed home with the children, um, with the intention to switch places the next year. And he came back saying, Oh my goodness, we, we need this. Um, the next year I attended hope for the journey that was in 2017, And just immediately realized TBRI was connecting dots. I knew about attachment. I knew about child development. But I wasn't putting them together in a way on my own that was facilitating my lens about behavior to shift. The messaging about behavior, the messaging of what we're supposed to do with behavior, the messaging that tells us what being a good parent looks like in order to to handle behavior the right way, I I was still operating out of those mindsets and those practices while still at the same time understanding some things about child development and attachment, but I just wasn't connecting dots. And, I, and my lens about behavior and about he, what makes us do the things we do as people was not shifting. Um, I was just, what we would do in response to difficulty and realizing that our methodologies and our practices of handling behavior weren't really working with him, what we would do is just do them harder. (laughs) You know, like we realize this isn't working. We don't know what else to do. There aren't any other messages out there telling us what being a good parent is supposed to look like. What then should we do? Well, we just need to dig our heels in and hold on tighter and, and do all of this harder than we were before. And that was just getting us nowhere fast. And so when I, went, I heard TBRI, it just resonated deeply. And I saw very quickly how it was connecting all the dots for us to create this really wider and deeper fabric of understanding of my own children and of my own self and of the dynamics that were playing out in our home in regard to behavior and correction and, um, and connection. Mm-hmm. I, was, I think we do what we typically do, which, which was assuming that I had connections because we spend time. And that sometimes can be true, but sometimes that's not true. We can spend yeah. a lot of time, but if we're not being purposeful and intentional, maybe those connections really aren't there. Um, and, and so it, it really just clicked for us. And this was in 2017, started with hope for the journey. That was my first exposure. Applied immediately to be a practitioner. Um, and, got into the 2017 practitioner training there in September. Um, And so our children at this time were 12, 14, and 16. So we were on the cusp of tweenageness and teenageness and our patterns in our family had been set for a good decade with our adopted child, but then even longer with our biological children. So we get this awareness um, and realize things have to change. But my goodness, that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen just because I have some new realizations and understanding about some things. Like we had to dig into the, to the hard work that is still ongoing. It's still ongoing. <laughs> we still have moments, good, bad, and, and otherwise, that we're trying to flesh out how do we parent and lead these now young men with TBRI, with that mindset. So some days we hit it, hit the nail on the head, as we say down here in the south. And then other days we look back and go, mm, I think I, I think I messed that up a little bit. Um, so we're still working it out. But we had to patterns were set, so we had to kind of undo. And I just joined so many of the other families that really wish that we had had this sooner, that we could have created the patterns in our home based around everything that tbri brings to the table for us um, but we started and as we all all say in this work it's never too late to start and it's never too late to make those changes so we did um, it felt slow going and sluggish because at the same time all the teenage things of raising children are boiling up around us um, so we're having to slug through those things while we're trying to to change our mindset and change our approaches um, but we've been doing that still an ongoing process. At the same time, we were, I was in a place where my professional realm was shifting and changing as well. I had been a guidance counselor in a private school for about six years. This was um, when I became a practitioner. It was my last year of being a guidance counselor. Um, I remember going to that school and saying, "I, I have this thing that can be helpful and they just weren't ready to receive it yet. Um, and with other life situations just prompted me to have a shift in my employment. And so I didn't work at the school anymore in that capacity, but jumped in with our local YMCA. And they had a program, they had an after school program at Restoration Room, um, which is located in an, in a, it was an empty school building. The schools kind of shifted and merged schools as they do. Um, This building was sitting empty for a while. It was offered up to the community who could do a good thing with this, and Restoration Rome emerged. So Restoration Rome is located in a neighborhood right next to a housing um, authority community and right across the street from probably one of our most prolific and profitable drug trafficking areas in our town, Um, one of several, um, were right there in the neighborhood, and the YMCA, in the very early stages of Restoration Rome, was approached to create an after-school program and a summer enrichment program, which also provided meals for students in the summer when school was not in session and they could not access school meals. And so I came on with the YMCA and did that for about three years um, with them to grow that program. And one of the intent and purposes they had for the program was to try to figure out how do we implement tbri in this program they too had gotten to a place of desperation in that after school program they were in a place where they were calling the police to manage the kids in the program frequently and um they realized something we've got to do something different Um, they had been introduced to tbri and realized this is the way they needed to go Um, but they were questioning and wondering how do we do that and so i came on with them to help do that. And so that little program became my laboratory of sort. That's how I used to refer to it, my laboratory. It, working with students in that program, expedited my lens shifting and expedited my growing my skills in TBRI to use at home and to use professionally. Um, those children taught me a lot. They were my professors, they were my teachers. Um, and then the, the Y program, I have to credit my supervisors then because they really gave me felt freedom and space to experiment with TBRI and how do we implement this. So my time in that program taught me a lot about implementing TBRI, not just in the home, which is smaller. And at times it doesn't feel like it's easy to flex, but you can kind of flex things. You have power to be able to kind of work and change some things in an organization that can look very different sometimes. And so that, that season working at the wide taught me a lot. Um, I learned through mistakes yeah. and, um, and through peers and coworkers and, and we just figured it out. This work is very emergent as they say in TBRI world, it's a very emergent work. And we, we let that emerge through time. Um, And then soon after that, through connections in town, um, one of the two local school systems um, created a position within the school system to coordinate TBRI efforts and implement it at the system level. And so I've kind of been on this journey with TBRI personally and professionally, trying to figure out how do I parent in this space? How do we make this the culture of our home And then how do I make this the culture of whatever project or entity or program or system that I've been entrusted with? Um, And those have kind of walked, I've walked through those tandemly um, through the past several years, about six years now.
0: That is awesome. I appreciate you spelling out the the journey from the parenting through the professional side as well. Um, You know, as you said, you had knowledge in different camps, but the camps were not blending at that point to really help children in different spaces that they were operating in or really struggling to operate in, right? I mean, it it really was more about the struggles of operating within a system um, than it was about them operating just fine if everybody else would just get on board, right? I mean, it's, it's the struggle. But I want to go back for just a minute because a lot of people don't, many do know what TBRI is, but there are many who do not. And you've mentioned the word attachment several times. Can you just give the audience um, a view of what attachment means when we're talking about identifying where children are um, what are the needs that they have and how how does understanding attachment help us connect dots
1: yes ma'am
0: i know and i know that's a big thing that you're gonna bring down into a smaller area but just to give the audience an idea yes this is a very deep well for sure um but TBRI,
1: or Trust-Based Relational Intervention, is really a model for caregiving. It is how caregivers understand the people whom they're caring for, um, how we understand what should be their normal and most ideal developmental patterns, how those can get interrupted, um, and and what behavior is trying to communicate to us, and how do we meet the needs. It gives us that framework. Um, And so often, to your very point, what you just said, often when people hear something like TBRI, they quickly jump to thinking it's all about the kids, when really it is meeting the needs of the kids and meeting the needs of the adult caregivers um, so that we can work in tandem together um, and work out almost like a dance together as we give care to those children. And so one of the elements that is a, a, a huge piece of import in this is understanding attachment. So attachment is kind of also seeing its heyday right now. Now, now if you kind of Google or you look it up, you'll find a lot of websites. You'll, you'll see a lot of things hear a lot of podcasts that are making reference to attachment, both in parenting. Now they're, they're um, seeing its wisdom and application in romantic relationships and marriages, even in the workplace, um, but attachment is really um, not a new thing. It's been around since the 60s um, with some really great folks who um, helped form this theory. But it is um, it is really the understanding that humans learn how to interpret and engage in relationships through the primary relationships they had with their primary caregivers through their childhood. And how this gets fleshed out is in in the dance, in the cycle, in the exchange between caregiver and child, where the child signals that they have a need. And usually we think about babies when we think about this in its earliest form and how babies will cry. That's usually the only signal they have. We learn to read other signals. We learn that when they look clench their little fist or they ball up their scooch up their little face. We learn that those are also signaling to us, but their primary signal in their earliest times is of course crying. They signal that they have a need and then the, the parent or the caregiver comes in and we do all the things to try to figure out what that need is, right? We're not exactly sure if they're wet. We're not exactly sure if they're cold. We're not exactly sure if they're hungry or need to be burnt. We're doing all the things to try to figure out what that is. When we respond with delight and with joy, and we do the things to figure out, even stumbling our way through to figure out what the need is, and we do our best to meet that need, that that completes that communication loop. And in so doing, the child feels like I have some, it, it's the building blocks of our self-system, our ability to understand that I and myself, I am important. I have value. I have worth. I have a voice. I I cried and I signaled, and my person came and they helped me. Um, That is the basis of our self system. Also, the basis and and through that process, the way we view all the other relationships in our life gets formed. And so, um, the good work in the attachment sphere kind of boils down how we build our attachment process and, and our patterns. It's a pattern of how we interact in relationships and how we view relationships. And they say that we, as a, as a general population, we can be boiled down to four different attachment types, kind of like when we talk about personality types, quizzes. Mm-hmm. I asked someone the other day, one of our dear uh, TCU friends, when they travel cross-culturally, do they find that these styles are generally the styles universally across cultures. And they said, yes, with some slight variation, but generally, yes, across cultures, this is true for all of us across, across the globe. It's, it's the, the stuff of humanity, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So um, that in a nutshell, very simplified form is attachment. And so those styles play out and how when we we get grown how we view the relationships we have whether they are our romantic relationships our friendships our work relationships and that plays into how we interpret signals from others and and what we're internalizing and how we respond to it all of that plays into how we're giving care to the children whether they're our personal children or students how we're giving care um In our caregiving role, and so attachment has just as much bearing on us as the caregiver as it does for the students that we are entrusted with, and the children that we're.
0: I so appreciate you giving. That's a great, a great um, explanation of what attachment is. Um, You know, going back to your ten-year-old at the time, I think he was ten at the time.
1: Yes. Close mm-hmm. to that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 10, 10 were, to
0: 12. Yeah, 12. And you are mm-hmm. really trying to, I mean, wit's end at this point. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about what TBRI does and what I really like is that uh, it starts with you to understand your attachment coming through life and really trying to hone in on where are you in your walk? before you can help someone else in their walk, right? And I think that's so important. Uh, And it's something we don't usually do as parents. You know, we're the parent, we've been raised a certain way, we turned out okay, right? So we should parent similarly to what they did or nope, not gonna do it that way. And you just go this extreme opposite direction, but you don't really understand Is that gonna work? Is it not gonna work? There's no manual out there that says, here's parenting, this is how you do it, right? And with every kid, every child, it's gonna be different anyway in how you approach who they are and what, what they're about. But with your child, can you give an example of something that was a real challenge? And as a result of bringing these two worlds together of, you know, having your understanding of child development and having your understanding of um, the, the counseling that you or the psychology that you had, had been through yourself, bringing those worlds together, what's an example of something that you knew you had to do different with your adopted child mm-hmm. that you had not been doing as a parent previously? Yes. If you don't mind sharing.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that folk might hear when they enter the foster adoptive space is that some of the biggest behavioral patterns that they might encounter are lying, stealing, hoarding. You hear that often. And we didn't really have the hoarding experience, but the stealing what we would have what we would see typically as stealing and lying were definite patterns that man, were baffling us because we didn't understand about regulation at the time. That is something that we started to learn through TBRI. We didn't understand our role as co-regulators. We didn't understand that our remaining regulated is what's going to help communicate safety and it's going to help us unpack situations better. While I knew parts of his story, I don't know all of his story from zero to two, um, and there were things that I should have seen in his early moments with us. Had I known what I know now, I would have known to project that, that this might be a pattern that we have to contend with. So we were dealing with what people would typically refer to as dealing. And then in the moment of being caught, the patterns of lying. And typical typical parenting um, tidbits, tricks and techniques we're telling us to handle those a certain way. We were I don't know if we were taught this explicitly, but I think it's the implicit messaging of handling lying. Somehow we've picked up that lying is purely a an ethical thing. It's a moral thing. So, obviously, if we were having a child with an issue of lying, then we weren't doing something right and we weren't hammering in somehow the ethical Um, norms he should be living by and and he wasn't adopting good morals and here we are a pastor's family and how a can this be um we didn't understand lying as a fear and stress-induced behavior we didn't understand that at all so when we also weren't connecting dots that his quote-unquote stealing or just taking and it wasn't big things it's just helping yourself to this when you've been asked to ask Helping yourself to that when you've been asked to ask. We told you multiple times to ask for this and we will let you, but you're not asking. You're just helping yourself. You're just taking, right? And it might be taking some some dollars out of my purse or it might be taking this um, electronic that doesn't belong to you. Those kind of things. Um, What I didn't, what I wasn't connecting was in his previous two years prior to being in our home, we don't know what he was having to do for himself. One of his earliest stories was um, as a two-year-old pushing a chair up against the counter and pouring himself a hot cup of coffee after getting a coffee mug out of the running dishwasher while I had stepped away quickly. And funny, ha-ha, isn't that a cute story about him when he was two? But looking back, realizing that child at two knew how to use household appliances that my other two children did not need to know. They did not know how to use those mm-hmm. appliances at two because they had parents who were doing those things for them and providing food and providing ways and means to access food. By that point, he had, he had developed patterns and processes to do that for himself, mm-hmm. probably because there weren't folks often enough there to do that for him, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I should have seen that theme run through in the taking patterns. Mm -hmm. It's not that he's taking from a sense of immorality. I want what you have. It's actually coming from a deeper place of, I feel like I have a need. Sometimes it might be a want, but I also feel like I have a need. Somewhere in my core, I can't rest on the fact that there's anybody out there who's going to do that for me. Mm -hmm. So I must do it for myself with or without permission, with or without going through the proper channels and means. I didn't see that quick enough. TBRI gives me the framework to see that. We saw it then, afterward, but not early enough. Um, So then when when we'd have a, a, a time of taking without permission or this wasn't yours or some would call it stealing, Then we would dig into questioning him on it and digging into it. And and then, unbeknownst to us, because we didn't have these dots connected, because I didn't have the TBRI framework, I didn't understand lying is fear-based. I thought it was immoral and, um, and that kind of thing. And so we would handle lying. Maybe some parents do this too. I don't know. But we would dig into the lie. And we'd put all kinds of proof in front of him. How can you keep telling us you didn't? When I've got the proof right here, You're seeing, I need you to read it. Look at it. Like, here's the proof laid out before you. How are you continually holding to this lie? Like, we would go for hours. Mm-hmm. Because our approach was just so wrong. And it was missing some crucial elements. When we started to realize through TBRI, about fear-based behaviors about stress-based behaviors and we saw lying for that he was lying because he was afraid and he was afraid of us
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we approach that differently, man the truth poured out of him far quicker it took far less. when we realize we're inducing fear, our approach, our response, my lack of regulation in this moment, Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid he's going to turn into a liar. Right. Right. With the previous messaging of of parenting and how to approach these things, we we were using that and we didn't know what else to do. So we just dug in harder, stronger, more vehemently in the face of the lie or the face of the taking and man, all that was doing was getting him dysregulated because we're dysregulated and it was pushing him into fear responses. And then he would dig into his fear response, which was to lie and hold on to that lie no matter the proof. When mm-hmm. we did it differently and approached it differently and we stayed regulated and we tried to kind of create that sense of felt safety. Then the truth came pouring out and you realize it really wasn't a lack of morals or ethic. Um, and then we can unpack what is what is internally deep in your core that is making you seek to do for yourself and not rest in the fact that you have us yeah. to do for and with you. Um,
0: I think that's a quick
1: yeah, one that that's,
0: comes to mind. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great example and one that I'm sure will resonate with a lot of different people in different situations that they're in. And I I was just thinking when you said that, because I, I I true have been through journeys with understanding TBRI and, and different experiences. And I had a, a student one time who, um, faked his observations out in a school by just signing off, you know, and saying he did it. He wrote the journals. I mean, he, he had all the right stuff on paper, but at the end, I mean it was I think four or five days before graduation, he had already completed the class, and I had I had already reached out to his teacher to say, you know, hey, did everything go according to plan and all that? And he said, I didn't see him this semester. And so my reaction was to, you know, he's a he's a college student. He should be more responsible. He, I warned everybody before class started, don't lie about this. Don't try to protect it. Own up to it. We'll make things work for you. But he had gone this route, and so when I pulled him in, I had the chair of the department in there too, and I said, I actually started with, you know, I wanted to learn a little bit more about your experience this semester, and I really went from a positive attitude. And he, he went with still talking the same game you know still giving the same stories he was not gonna fold any which direction and then i had to say well i know differently you never were at the school you didn't sign in you didn't well they didn't have the computer didn't work i mean he he had story and you know what i'm talking about he had stories for everything and i said this you know, why would I believe you over the teacher at the school? I, I just need to understand, how can your story own up when the, the teacher, the principal of the school, the children don't remember you? How, how can I, I want to believe you, but how can I believe you, you know? And so this is the direction, I didn't have TBRI at the time, I was just going off of, trying to help him come to the truth and I I thought back on that one after the fact because you know he was gone I I actually suspended him from TCU as I was also the associate dean Um, and you know I just said you can't you you won't own up even at the end all you have to do is own up we will fix this wouldn't couldn't do it and I'm I'm not sure where he is today, but you know I think back and where I am now, understanding TBRI. Oh, if it could have just been differently, right? Yes. But those are lessons we learn, and those are things that we realize as a part of it. Um, but I really appreciate your story today and your journey and what that brings. Um, I'd love to have you back on to talk about some other things related to TBRI and, and even more so in a school setting, if you're willing to do that, um, I think that would be awesome. Yes, I would love that. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. Um, you've given great insight into what TBRI is about and the journey that you've been on as a parent and as a professional. Um, I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. I do as well. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. And as always, take care, have a great week, and play often. This podcast was brought to you by the Link Center for Healthy Play at Texas Christian University. To learn more about the Link Center and the resources mentioned in today's episode, visit our website at www.liink.com project.tcu.edu.